0: You are Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Today's episode of Locked On Jaguars is brought to you by A1 Sliders. Are you one of hundreds of coastal northeast Florida homeowners who struggle every day to open and close your sliding glass door? Why spend all the money it takes to replace your sliding glass door when Tony and the gang at A1 Sliders could save you money and repair your door for you? A1 Sliders is licensed and insured. They offer free estimates, upfront pricing, and will help you save on heating and cooling costs in your home from leaky sliding glass doors. And at A1, your schedule comes first. A1 Sliders is a fan of the Locked on Jaguars podcast, and in partnering with us, they will give you $25 off of any repair you order, no limit. Just mention Locked On Jaguars before getting your repairs done. Call A1 Sliders now for your free sliding glass door repair estimate at 386-538-6835 or check out their website at www.a1sliders.com. That's 386-538-6835 and www.a1sliders.com. And don't forget to mention Locked On Jaguars for $25 off of any repair you order. A1 Sliders Licensed and Insured LLC covers the Jacksonville area from Fernandina Beach through North Smyrna Beach, based out of Palm Coast, Florida. Contact for more details on location and any questions you may have. Today's episode of Locked on Jaguars is brought to you by A1 Sliders. Are you one of hundreds of coastal northeast Florida homeowners who struggle every day to open and close your sliding glass door? Why spend all the money it takes to replace your sliding glass door when Tony and the gang at A1 Sliders could save you money and repair your door for you? A1 Sliders is licensed and insured. They offer free estimates, upfront pricing, and will help you save on heating and cooling costs in your home from leaky sliding glass doors. And at A1, your schedule comes first. A1 Sliders is a fan of the Locked On Jaguars podcast, and in partnering with us, they will give you $25 off of any repair you order, no limit. Just mention Locked On Jaguars before getting your repairs done. Call A1 Sliders now for your free sliding glass door repair estimate at 386 386- or check out their website at www.a1sliders.com. That's 386-538-6835 and www.a1sliders.com. And don't forget to mention Locked On Jaguars for $25 off of any repair you order. A1 Sliders Licensed and Insured LLC covers the Jacksonville area from Fernandina Beach through New Smyrna Beach, based out of Pond Florida. Contact for more details on location and any questions you may have. Alright, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Jaguars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Zach Goodall. I am unfortunately not joined by my co-host, Chris Thornton. He decided to take the night off after a long day at work, but no matter, we're still going to have a fun show tonight because we are doing our weekly crossover in this week. We are with Locked On Titans, and I'm with Jimmy Morris, the host of – one of the co-hosts, I should say, of Locked On Titans, who you can follow on Twitter at JMorrisMCM. We've got a good show ahead. We're going to break down this, what should be very, very exciting, and I say that with (laughs) incredible sarcasm of a game coming up on Thursday night. For America to see. So, Jimmy and I talked about this in our DM setting up the show that we really just do owe America an apology for this Thursday night game being on national TV. So, Jimmy, I'll go ahead and let you go ahead and start that off for us. Just what do you have to say for America on behalf of your team?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the Titans have been on national TV, you know, two weeks ago in Houston, and then uh, this game, you know, and the, the game last week in Houston followed that you know rams chiefs monday night game and you know it's just like i'm sorry that people have to watch the titans offense after watching those two offenses yeah the total of this game opened like at 37 and a half i think i mean it's just ridiculous um yeah it's it's not it's not gonna be fun for anybody to watch besides you know titans and jaguars fans and it's really honestly probably not gonna be that much fun for us to watch um we do it because you know we only get 16 of these a year um and so you're not gonna miss any of them but uh you know both offenses i think we can we can pretty confidently say have been struggling and you know everybody everybody wants to watch offense in today's nfl and you get it i mean it's fun but uh this is not going to be that game for those people i can't imagine it's going to do very well nationally
1: no i don't think it will either in terms of the ratings that we've seen in recent weeks or really just this year in general with those high powered offensive games and the overnight night ratings they draw Jacksonville and Tennessee might get, like, half of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, I can say this from a Jaguars fan perspective, that, you know, people were excited for a somewhat new-look offense behind Cody Kessler and Scott Milanovic. And when they beat the Colts by a whopping jaw-dropping score of 6-0, to zero, people were excited um, just because it wasn't Blake Bortles and there was a win. But that doesn't take away from just how unexciting and really bad of a football game it was to watch and like Jimmy said we really can expect that this upcoming week Tennessee versus Jacksonville in Tennessee their second matchup of the year after last time when they went up against each other it was one of those games 96 finish here in Jacksonville a nail biter to the end of field goal after field goal after field goal <laughs> <laughs> and I'm expecting a lot of the same um but we'll go ahead and get and break down you know, what the Jaguars defense can do against this Titans offense and vice versa as we flip in between uh, segments. But before we get to that, I want to remind everyone to go ahead and subscribe to both shows. You can find iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Megaphone for free listening. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find the Locked On Network. Just search up Locked On Jaguars and Locked On Titans and you guys can find all the content you need for this upcoming game. So obviously there's been some quarterback issues uh, to say the least on both sides. We're starting with Tennessee on the offensive side. Last time we played Mariota where he was dealing with nerve damage in his arm and it was affecting his ability to throw. Uh, They had Blaine Gabbert trot out as the starter, which made everyone in Jacksonville really excited. I promise you that. (laughs) And it only lasted a couple of drives. Mariota had to come in for an injured Gabbert and Despite not really being able to attack the air too well, Mariota was able to get it done with his feet like he always does. Tennessee pulled out a W. From that Week 3 game, how has the Titans' offense looked since then? Has there been improvement in the past game? Uh, What are some things that they can do against this Jaguars defense?
2: Yes, I mean, listen, this Titans' offense is very, very inconsistent. Um, We've seen weeks where they come out and look like they might actually be good. Uh, they've beaten some good teams, put a bunch of points on the Eagles, put a bunch of points on the Patriots. Um, you know, so have, have done some good things and then they'll come out and look just completely lost against the Colts who are, you know, not a good defense. So, um, the, the game, the offense has been better since Marcus could feel his hand again, which, you know, makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, he wore, he wore that glove that he was wearing in that game against the Jaguars and then through the charters game in London. But then they came back after that, after the bye, and the offense really looked good for a couple of weeks. I mean, they, they, they did well in Dallas. Uh, like I said, did well against the Patriots. And it, it did well at Chargers game, honestly. Um, came up short at the end, but, like, the, the offense seemed like it was, it was getting going. And then just, you know, kind of took a couple steps backwards the last couple weeks. I mean, this is the thing, and, like, you know, being a Titans fan, it's, 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 this, it's this cycle of, you know, like, disappointment, get excited, Disappointment. Get excited. I mean, it's just like we just go around and around in this circle. And so, I mean, the Titans were, had themselves in a good spot, uh, beat the Patriots, heading to Indianapolis, uh, you know, just a game behind the Texans, and then having, you know, games between – games with the, with the Colts of the Texans at back-to-back weeks. If you win both of those games, you're in the division lead. If you, if you split those games, you're still, you know, within striking distance and just lay an egg in both games and get, and get just trounced. The offense wasn't good in either one of them. Um, so I mean it's just been that this just been that kind of thing this year. Um the offense wasn't good in the first half against the Jets on Sunday. Came back and played well in the second half. Just you know, the Jets are their defense is okay, but it's not it's not, you know, anything to write home about by any means. So uh the, the passing game has been inconsistent at, at best. Uh they've had some guys come on. Corey Davis has started to look like the receiver that they wanted when they took him at number five overall. Um so that's a good thing. Jonu Smith, second year tight end, ha- has really grown into his role. Um, It was too much for him early on when Delaney Walker went down in week one. Uh, so he's been he's been better the last few weeks. I think he's kind of settled in a little bit. Taewon Taylor had two big catches uh, in that Jets game, which is what really kind of opened things up because, you know, as you would, as you would expect, teams just started creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. Titans aren't taking very many shots down the field. A um, couple reasons for that. One, they they don't necessarily have a deep threat without Taewon Taylor out there, and he's struggled in that role at times anyway. But the interior of their offensive line is so bad, too, that they don't have time to do it. Um, but Taewon Taylor got a catch of 44 yards and a catch of uh, 55 yards on consecutive drives in that game against the Jets. And that scene really opens up things up underneath. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I I have no idea. Well, we're getting week to week. I mean, we just we watch this team every week, and, and like I said, some weeks are really good, some weeks are terrible. Hopefully yeah. the good passing game shows up this week, but I honestly have no idea what to, uh, what to hope for.
1: Now, one thing that the Jaguars have struggled with, it's almost year in and year out, are receiving backs. And you mentioned Corey Davis. I want to talk about him and Jonu Smith, a guy who I actually thought Jacksonville should have looked at when, I say this every year, they need to draft a tight end, and they don't really like to listen. Uh, I think the last tight end they drafted was Ben Koyak in the seventh round in like 2015, and I can't remember otherwise. But every year I think that they should, and they don't. And Johnny Smith was a guy I was high on, so definitely someone I want to learn more about and what he's done with Tennessee. Uh, Corey Davis will want to talk about him as well, but probably the most you know intriguing thing that I can see in this Tennessee offense versus the Jacksonville defense is Deion Lewis's ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, and I literally mean that out of the backfield because when I look at his PFF numbers, he's got. Uh, 45 receptions on 51 targets, so he's an incredibly efficient pass catcher for 309 total yards, but the thing is is that 371 yards have come after the catch. So that tells me he's truly just getting targeted out of the backfield and making a ton work. They say he averages 8.2 yards after the catch per reception, and that's a weak spot for the Jaguars. It seems to always be that, especially when there is some variance coming out of the backfield. Obviously, the titans have a power back in derrick henry and then a guy that changes that pace in lewis so how has you uh lewis's utilization come along as the season has worn on because i knew it was a little bit of a slow start for him but i mean has he looked like he's been worth deciding uh and what have you seen him really grow with
2: yeah i mean i think Deion lewis is a guy that is good in a, in a complimentary role. He's not, he's not going to be a feature back. That's just not who he is. They tried to make him a little bit. They, they got, I think they got really mad at Derrick Henry about the middle of the year because Derrick Henry, you know, he, he's 237 pounds, but he runs like he's 137 pounds sometimes, <laughs> um, trying to, like, balance everything, not lowering his shoulder and that kind of stuff. Um, and so there was a point uh, kind of after the bye week that they were – Deion Lewis was starting games. They gave uh, David Fluellen some carries ahead of Henry in one game, and Fluellen ended up getting hurt. But ever since then, Derrick Henry has, like, lowered his shoulder and run like a, like, like, I said, like a big running back. So they've been using him more the last couple weeks, whereas kind of in the middle of the season, they had gone to Deion Lewis as a future guy. But, yeah, I mean, that Deion Lewis's strength is dumping the ball off to him, and he can make stuff happen after the catch. Um, he's a little bit frustrating at times because sometimes he, I, I think he thinks he's still, like, in high school and can, you know, bounce things side to side and and run around people and he can't really do that in the NFL. So sometimes he'll take a play that could be like a short gain and turn it into a loss, um, that type of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, he's explosive. If they can give him the ball in space, um, you you know, make guys miss. And and I don't know. I'm just telling you, man, this this team is so weird. Um, We were convinced at the beginning of the year they were going to be a screen team. The Titans have never been a screen team. I mean, 20 years they've been here, have never been able to run a screen. And we were convinced the preseason they were going to run, you know, screens to backs, bubble screens, that kind of stuff. They haven't done very very much of it, honestly, during the year. It's, it seems like it's been effective at times when they do it to Deion Lewis. So, I mean, I think that that will be something you'll see them try in this game. I, I don't know why they haven't tried it more. Like I said, they've had so much trouble with pass protection. The way you, you know, slow that down is running screens and stuff. They haven't done much of that. They haven't done much of rolling markets out of the pocket. Um, they started doing a little bit in the second half against the Jets. and It was effective. So, um, you know, so, some of that kind of stuff. Jonu Smith is a guy, like, we were really excited about him. Um, seemed like almost a Delaney Walker clone and was really good at the beginning of his rookie year last year and then just kind of fell off a little bit, didn't do much. And like I said, he struggled early on. But, I mean, the guy's got, like, you know, unbelievable measurables. And he saw the – I mean, he had a touchdown in that Monday night game against the Texas. They threw him a little dump off over the middle and he just ran past everybody for a touchdown. So, I mean, I, I think the ceiling is really high for him. Um, I I think he struggled picking up the offense at times, but he's come on the last few weeks. So that's at least a little something to be encouraged about.
1: And the Jaguars do tend to run a lot of cover three when they're in zone and they have their linebackers drop. And a result of that has been they've opposing offenses have been able to eat up the middle of the field. Uh, Telvin Smith hasn't been nearly as good as he has been in years past in pass coverage. So honestly, if there were any weapons that, You know, I could see having a really good game if the passing game is working for the Titans. I think Smith might be in line for one of those days because he appears to be that guy, like you said, he had the little dump off across the middle of the field and took that yard. So we'll have to just see how they do. But if I put my bets on anyone to have an impact against the Jaguars in the pass game, it'd probably be Smith and Lewis at this point. But you mentioned that Corey Davis has also really been coming along. Obviously, he faces quite the test this upcoming week, whether he's lined up against Jalen Ramsey or AJ Boyer, but what kind of growth have you seen out of him as his second year has gone on?
2: Well, he's been a guy that when they need yards, that they've gone to him. Um, you, you know, just that type. You know, everybody needs that receiver that on third down you, you can find him. You know, he's going to catch the ball, get the yards that, that that are needed. He he has really developed into that guy. He's had two really big games. Uh, it, you know, not coincidentally in the, the two most explosive games for this game for this offense, the Eagles and the Patriots. Uh, he had huge days in both of those games, um, you know, and, and against Stephon Gilmore uh, for the Patriots, most of the day and had two touchdowns against him. So, I mean, he he's just turned it into that guy. It was, it was, everything was slow starting with him last year. Cause he missed a training camp with a hamstring injury and they kind of missed the beginning of the year with a hamstring injury and was, was slow kind of coming along, but he's really started to develop into that guy that they can look for. Now, this offense has been so inconsistent. He's had up and down games. So, I mean, like I said, he'll have a game where, you know, he has a bunch of catches, a couple touchdowns, and then he'll disappear for a couple of weeks. Um, but that's uh, that's been this whole team. So it's hard to really, you know, pin that on him necessarily. But I, I think we've seen enough from him this year that in the way that he's coming along to at least be hopeful that, you know, he was worth the number five overall pick. I wouldn't say, you know, definitively, yes, he was at this point, but he's at least shown the ability that he can be that guy they need some other weapons around him that's been a problem for this team for a long time but um you know we we feel pretty good about where he is as far as in, in the development curve at this point
1: titans have allowed 25 sacks this year and according to pff 137 pressures you mentioned the interior was the problem but i mean last year or the year before there was a lot of optimism going around with this titans offensive line so I mean, is it just a result of the inconsistencies as a whole on offense or could that really be an anchor right now for this team is just the lack of protection?
2: Oh, it's an anchor for sure. Um, Jack Conklin, the right tackle who was all pro his rookie year, has been a disaster. Now, he tore his ACL in the playoff game against the Patriots last year. So, you know, there's a a part of the fan base that, that wants to say that he's not healthy. Um, I, I mean, I guess that's possible. I, I kind of hope that's possible at this point, because he <laughs> seriously, he looks, he looks terrible. Um, you know, they gave Josh Klein, the, the left guard, a big deal, um, a big contract before the season started, and he's, he's been bad. Ben Jones, the center, has been bad. Quentin Spain has actually been the best of the group, but then on Sunday in the second half, they benched Quentin Spain. They brought Corey Levin in to play center and moved uh, Ben Jones out to guard, and it actually looked pretty good. So I, Vrabel has been very, um, you know, tight-lipped about what he's going to do this week. I would imagine they go with the same thing on Sunday or right, on Thursday. It would just, it just, it only makes sense because, like I said, that that group has struggled really bad. Um, Toto Lual has been fine. Uh, he hasn't been, you know, he's the highest-paid offensive of tackle in the league right now. He hasn't played like the highest-paid offensive of tackle in the league, but he is definitely the, you know, at least of their concerns up front, he, he's fine. There's nothing that they really need to worry about there. But they've been doing some shuffling there. I mean, they've been doing some talk. they got Dennis Kelly, who's the swing tackle, um, who played you know right tackle while Conklin was coming back. They've been talking about moving him to guard. they are been talking about moving Conklin to guard and Kelly playing right tackle. I mean, there's all kinds of different stuff that they've thrown out. Um, but, yeah, the, the interior offensive line has been bad, and it'll look a lot different next year. I don't think Ben Jones will be here. I don't think Quentin Spain will be here. Josh Klein probably shouldn't be here, but he will be because they gave him all that money and they can't cut him at this point. So, um, but they're going to have to revamp that for sure this offseason, but it's definitely a problem for them.
1: Final question before we hit our break and flip sides here. It's been a couple of years. We've seen a lot of positives at points and we've seen a lot of negatives, not to mention injuries have probably been a factor. Your takeaways just in a vacuum Marcus Mariota, is he still is he the dude here is is it still just up in the air too much going on around him or do you have your legitimate concerns at this point
2: yes (laughs) yes to all of those um no listen you know it's it's been impossible to to make a definitive statement on him at this point Uh, which sucks because you know he's he's coming up to the end of his fourth year uh, got his fifth year option that he can play under next year, so they don't have to make a decision on him until after next year. But you would, you would hope that at this point you would have a good answer. Now, look, like you said, all the things around him, he's been hurt. He's had three different coordinators. I mean, you, you go through all this different stuff that is, is kind of on the of hasn't had good weapons, you know, did a lot hadn't been good, whatever. I mean, there's been a lot of things that haven't gone right for him. Um, we've seen him at stretches be elite, we've seen him at stretches be terrible. So, um, I mean, I think it would be dumb for them to move on from him at this point, um, you know. Because what are you going to go out there and get that's better? Um, and, and not to say that. Listen, I, I'm still a believer. I still think he. I still think he has the ability to be the guy. I think that he is. It, it's hard. He's not ever going to be like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I, I mean, I don't think he's. The, I don't think he's one of those guys. But I think he's a guy that if every, if things are good around him that he's definitely going to be good enough that you could win a Super Bowl with him. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that you're going to have to hide, but I think he does need his supporting cast to be good. And, and, you know, not that's not always the case. You know, like a Tom Brady, he seems like he can throw to pretty much anybody and they can get a bunch of yards. I don't, I don't think works is going to be that guy, but I think if they can put some better pieces around him, he has the bil- the ability to be that. But like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him this offseason because, you know, I, I think his his. Cap number next year if he plays on under the fifth year options like I can't remember it's like twenty one million or something um, and so then you got to make the decision are you going to just you, you're going to let that play out then decide what you're going to do or you're going to try to get him a long term deal but I just I, I mean I would be hesitant at this point to invest you know a hundred million dollars in this guy just because it, just really the inconsistency of being on the field is my biggest concern right um, he's just been he's been hurt so many times and it's not like he's sitting out for like you know, I mean, it's been, like, serious stuff, you know. I mean, you know, he snapped his leg in the Jaguars game a couple of years ago. Um, you know, had the, the hamstring last year that he only missed one game through. And, you know, played in the Colts game, We couldn't really move. Um, you know, the, the nerve thing this year, he couldn't feel his hand. I mean, all, you know, like, serious stuff. But it just seems like it's kind of one thing after another. And so, I think at this point, the best thing for them to do would be to let it go into next year see how it plays out and then make the decision from there. So that it, 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 like I said, it sucks that we're four years in. We're still at this point, but we, that is just kind of where we're at.
1: Let me tell you right now, the Jaguars 2019 draft season started in October. Um, So the Jaguars approached it with the same like complication that you guys have right now. And that is that they didn't know, do we try and upgrade, go after the Kirk cousins of the world uh, do we ride out Blake Bortles on the fifth-year option, which was sitting at $21 million, so it should be right around the same thing for you guys, or do they extend him? And at the time, no one wanted to go ahead and dedicate $21 million flat to Blake Bortles for a year and go from there because they wanted to find a cheaper way if they were going to keep him. And when we first heard the news of the contract extension to where it really was a pretty solid deal for what we thought was an average quarterback. We were happy because it really wasn't like a bank breaking deal. We're now sitting here just trying to find a way to get out of it. It ended up being a mistake. I mean, he's going to take on a minimum cap hit of 16.5 million next year because of the dead cap. If they release him upwards of 21, I'm just saying for Tennessee fans, if you're not sure Mariota's is the answer, I would just take the one year hit and go from there. I, the, the, Complications on the Jaguars offseason. They might have to let go of guys they don't want to let go just to negate that dead space that Blake is taking up.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'll say this. Uh, this is, you know, one of these things that gets debated and whatever. I mean, I, I don't think Mariota's Blake portals. No, 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 no. Um, no. I, and I can't, like, do, and this is just, you know, as kind of your Jags fan, were you, I mean, if I were a Jags fan, I'd have been like pounding the table for them to go get somebody. Right. Because you've got all that talent. And it just seems like you're wasting it by mm-hmm. running like Bortles out there. I mean, why not go get Kirk Cousins or, or just some? I mean, there, there's you know there's a couple of guys they could have gotten that could at least like just take care of the football and let your defense win games for you. It just I I don't know, man. That that would just that would have been really frustrating to me if I were a Jaguar. Yeah, I, I think Blake Bortles is terrible. I thought he was terrible all along, mm-hmm. but I mean, I don't know. I you But listen, I understand how it goes. Like, right? I mean, I was convinced at one point that Jake Locker was going to be the quarterback. So you know, it's just <laughs> you know, that, that's, that stuff tends to happen. It's when the nature of the game. Jot, and you want to like him, you know? I mean, yeah, he's a good dude, whatever. But it's like, but at the
1: end of the day, he, he's not cutting it. Yeah, yeah, so. he's not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so. yeah, not cutting it is honestly probably a generous way to put it. Um, but yeah, so that puts Jaguars into quarterback season I'm all aboard the Dwayne Haskins train don't want to get too off topic though so when we come back we're going to be flipping scripts we're going to be going over this (laughs) what they like to call an offense here in Jacksonville (laughs) uh, versus the Tennessee defense
0: you know ever since I started this podcast people have been asking me for advice usually it's what team to bet on this week the truth is I don't know who's going to win but if you think you know you got to check out my bookie remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with that's why i always tell people to bet with my bookie trust me guys they're your best bet this season they've been in the business for years have great reviews online and their mobile site is easy to use i would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me that's why i'm urging you to make your way to my bookie you win they pay they have in-game live betting over-unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business. MyBookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7pm Eastern Time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate this offer. Visit MyBookie today. That's M- y-b-o-o-k-i-e and don't forget to use the promo code lockedon 25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play if you're willing to hold out until 7 p.m you get an extra $25 free play by using promo code locked on and add 25 at the end of it if it's up to you guys but i'd wait until after dinner to take extra money you play you win you get paid so Jimmy, I'm going to go ahead and let you kind of take this over
1: here. Uh I'm sure you have your questions and it's not so much that you really want to know about what Cody Kessler <laughs> can do, just more why. Um but go ahead and let I mean let me hear it. What do you want to know about this Jaguars offense or lack thereof?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess the question is, and it's probably hard to say because, you know, Fournette was out last week, but what, how, what, how does his offense look different with Cody Kessler out there in, in, instead of Blake Bortles? So I don't really think Kessler is a good quarterback. If
1: I'm, if, if I'm just going to say it like as simple put, he's not good. But the thing is, is that there's such a drastic def, uh, change in, you know, what you see from a quarterback that can throw a spiral even <laughs> that's just like, it's, it's refreshing. It's a breath of fresh air. Um, Ke- so Kessler, he's not got a strong arm. He's not going to wow you with any of the throws he makes. The thing is, is that they've built this offense on the power run game and it was to hide Blake. That's the idea that it's been all along. Not that they truly believe in the year, 2017, 2018 NFL, that running the ball is going to win you football games enough to be a true contender for a long period of time that they wanted to hide Blake. Cause I mean, Ego. That's what drives front offices these days, right? And Dave Caldwell wanted to build around the quarterback that he had, and it blew up in his face. But in order to do that, they've invested in the power run game, invested in their interior offensive line. Obviously, the fourth overall pick on a power style running back that can just chew away three to four yards at a time and take a bunch of time off the clock to keep the defense rested. That's their plan. And when Fournette's out there and he's moving the ball, You can plug and play a lot of different quarterbacks. As long as they can throw a spiral, it's fine. And without Fournette, they weren't able to do as much of that last week. But we could see Kessler making some of the very simple throws that the average quarterback is expected to make that Blake Bortles couldn't do. He just couldn't hit his dudes accurately on curl routes crossers he regressed tremendously and that was like his favorite route to throw in 2017 all the west coast style throws with timing on the top on the very top of your drop back uh, as the receivers breaking into their route that's when that ball is supposed to be out and Kessler at the bare minimum can do that he was viewed as a west coast fit coming out of USC as a college prospect he did a little bit of it in Cleveland uh, and he's doing it here. That's what they're trying to get out of him. They're not going to try and add anything complicated to this offense for the rest of the year. They just want to see Kessler do the bare minimum and you know be a compliment almost to what they want in their run game when Fournette's on the field. So I guess you could say I was fine with what Kessler did because he could throw a spiral, but they obviously have to see what they can do with Fournette back on the field.
2: Is there a scenario where... They're looking at Cody Kessler as, a, as the option to start next year? I think so. Not in a way that he is whatsoever
1: the answer. Like if he's back here next year, I, I would guarantee it as his last year. It would be, you know, at best he is the bridge quarterback for the rookie that they take. If they're out of contention for a rookie quarterback picking ninth or tenth and the Giants are ahead of them, I guarantee whoever the GM is at that point, Dave Caldwell or not, they're on the phones trying to move up because they know they have to be aggressive to steer this ship in the correct direction, moving up to two with Oakland or whoever's sitting there at that point. We're so far removed, but I'm telling you, like I run this through my head every day that they're <laughs> going to do whatever they can to get a promising young quarterback in the building. And if they can keep winning some games with Kessler as well as Scott Milanovic, the quarterback coach promoted to the interim offensive coordinator for the final five games of the year. If they can get the bare minimum done, win a couple of games, get this West Coast offense that they're still going to run, even next year with a new coordinator, I'm not convinced they're going to change much at all with just having Fournette here and what they've dedicated themselves to, spent money and assets on. That If they're impressed enough with Kessler, he's able to do the bare minimum. They keep him here as a guy they're comfortable with while the young quarterback grows. Now, I don't know if it would be a season-long thing. It's definitely because Cody Kessler isn't even in the ballpark of Alex Smith. But at least to give the rookie some time, sprinkle in some playing time for him. And once they're comfortable with putting him in, so long as Kessler doesn't get hurt or look like Blake Bortles, then he could be the guy. I would personally rather pay Tyrod, even giving him just a decent contract. And Tyrod isn't great either, but I think he has more to offer than Kessler. Just one of those bridge guys that's inexpensive, gets the bare minimum done while that rookie quarterback's getting ready.
2: Yeah, that's kind of kind of your next question. I guess this is more big picture stuff than specifically this game on Thursday, because I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, right? I, I promise um, you,
1: it's 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 not going to be pretty.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, but, you know, like, do they do they spend on a guy like Tyrod, even with, with what they've already got invested in Blake Bortles? Because, I mean, this defense, yeah, I mean, your defense with as good as it is, and I, I don't know, I, I mean, I've looked at the salary cap in, in the window and all that kind of stuff of, of what they've got left, but um, have, have they missed that window with all, these, with all these good defensive players they got, or do, do they still have a year or two where they could bring in a quarterback that, you know, might be able to just at least hold things steady? Try to get back to letting that defense win games.
1: I'd like to think that they've got time to steer the ship. I'm not optimistic just because of how poorly this year has gone, but at the same time, there are some guys they're going to have to move around this upcoming offseason. Some cap cuts to their defensive line, and that's where Taven Bryan, their first round pick, might make a big impact. Is that he moved back to three tech? They tried him at the defensive end spot. It wasn't working. Back inside as an interior lineman, he's looked a lot better in the past couple of weeks. So if they're comfortable enough, they might let one of their interior guys go and let Brian step up into a bigger role and hope that the difference isn't too dramatic to where it hurts the team. And if they can do that, they did that at strong safety with Ronnie Harrison. He came in just last week, his first start, and looked great. A much improved version of the strong safety compared to Barry Church being back there. I think there's potential for them to... Maybe not be immediate Super Bowl contenders, but a, at least get back up into contention for the division, maybe get a playoff berth as long as they've got a decent quarterback like maybe a tie rod or someone that fits the West Coast offense It could bri- provide a little extra just to get back in it. And then a year after, you got to see where you're at with your quarterback and your cap space uh, just to see who you can extend, the cornerstones that you can keep. I, I'm not willing to put them anywhere near being a legitimate contender, no matter who they land, unless let's be let let's just call it crazy and say Green Bay totally falls apart and somehow Aaron Rodgers is sent th- for the cheap. Uh, that then then we're talking, but I don't <laughs> I, I don't see really any way that they can immediately turn around from this year and be legitimate contenders, even if they bring in
2: a really solid bridge quarterback. Uh, yeah, and then back to this team. I mean. They've, I mean, you read the names at wide receiver and, you know, DD Westbrook, Keelan Cole, both had, you know, big games last year, at least a few big weeks. Um, signed Dante Moncrief in the offseason, drafted DJ Chark in the second round. Um, what what have you seen from that group this year? And I guess it's maybe impossible to judge them based on, you know, the quarterback, mm-hmm. but it seems like they've got a lot of talent on the outside. I mean, that, that I would take. That I mean I I don't know that if I would take any of those guys over Corey Davis, right. but I'd take all those guys over anybody else the Titans have. I
1: I think that the Moncrief signing was a waste of money when you look at it because he's not going to be here past this year. They panicked after realizing they can't get Allen Robinson back that they needed to pay a home guy like Marquise Lee and they needed to try and you know woo some people with a decently priced wide receiver who's a big bodied athletic guy Moncrief can't separate on deep routes whatsoever. And he's not even that great at doing it on the underneath stuff. He's a straight line speed guy. If he somehow can catch someone outside, like just catch them looking and get past them with straight line speed, then he can separate. He can't do it on his own in route breaks. It's just not there. Um, But he's been force-fed targets. That's just how it's going to work when you're the highest-paid receiver on the team. They've used him as a primary read a lot, and naturally his numbers have inflated a little bit. Keelan Cole, you know, he'll come out and make an impressive play every now and then, even though it's been a little while since we've seen one. But, I mean, the one against the Patriots, like, it caught everyone off guard at how great that was. And you want to see that more consistently, just his ability to make plays. That's what he was supposed to be, and it's not happening. Dede Westbrook has turned into the ultimate possession style receiver that they wanted Marquise Lee to be. He does not drop the ball very much whatsoever. He separates very cleanly. He's got killer speed for yards after the catch. I think he's far and away the Jaguars best and most polished receiver right now. And Chark is a guy that's got a lot of potential that's grooming up his game and the mechanical technical stuff of it. He's got a long way to go. He's definitely a project receiver. I think he's going to be more impactful in years two to three than he will ever be in year one. But as of right now, I mean, you put all those guys in one. I'm taking Westbrook 10 times out of 10 as receiver one for this team.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I guess, I don't know. What What do you project from this offense for the rest of the season? I mean, are, are we going to see – or, or Thursday night, are we going to see 25, 30 carries from Leonard Fournette? I mean, yeah. you think that's the game plan coming in?
1: Whether it's Fournette or a mix of Fournette, Carlos Hyde, and TJ Yeldon, I think that's going to be it. I think TJ Yeldon is going to be the team's leading receiver from here on out just because of how little arm strength Kessler has and how he likes to really target the short game um, with the West Coast stuff. I think Yeldon is a, a great receiving back. Uh, he's a versatile guy that can run the ball, but he's a much better receiving third down style of back, and I think he'll get a lot of the targets in the passing game. But I think a mix of carries from Fournette, uh some short yardage stuff with Hyde and Yeldon, you know, being the change of pace guy, I think that'll be the primary focus. Maybe we'll see them try and take advantage of some play action because they didn't do it this past week against the Colts while they were getting Kessler adjusted, acclimated into playing the game again as a starting quarterback. But if they feel confident enough with their run game, they might try and open it up on play action to the intermediate levels of the field, but nothing that'll wow you whatsoever. I don't think they're going to try and take the top off the defense with a strong passing game whatsoever.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, I mean, I think you've got two teams that are hesitant to throw the ball down the field here. And I think most people don't do it against the Jaguars anyway, because it's it's not going to be successful very often. So, I don't know, this just sets up for one of those games that has like the, you know, the, the 9-6 game to start off the year. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think that that would be, the Titans offense I would expect to be different than it was in that one. Because they came in with a Blaine Gabbert game plan and in a, in a game where Marcus Mariota couldn't really throw the ball. But um, I don't know how much of a difference that makes. Um, you know, Mariota's had some good games against the Jaguars, but like you said, it's been more with his legs than it has been through the air. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. You've got any thoughts on predictions or anything for this one?
1: I'm thinking the Titans take it. Uh, second year in a row where they sweep the Jags, which I I hate to even think about, but it's just, it's, it's just they've got the number. No matter what, I think the Titans have the number at this point. They're at home, Thursday night game at home. Uh, they're the better team this year so far when you look at it up and down, even though neither team really I would think is that great. Jacksonville's got themselves in such a hole offensively. I think they they might actually put up their first touchdown of the Cody Kessler era, um, but I think the Titans take it seventeen to thirteen.
2: Yeah, I mean it's going to be something like that. Um, I'd I'd be surprised. Like I said, the I think the total is like thirty seven, thirty seven and a half. I'd be shocked if it went over that. I mean, you you never know. Sometimes these Thursday night games go a little bit crazy, but I just I, I can't see that happening here. I'm with you. I mean, I hope the Titans win. I hope that we get the Titans team that's a. That's at least you know serviceable. Um, we don't get that every week, but uh, I mean, the Titans are still playing for something. If they went out, they've got a decent chance of making the playoffs. Uh, I think that's a you know a long shot mm-hmm. for sure, but it's still there. So you would hope that they would at least be the more motivated team right. on Thursday night. But, I mean, who knows? Like I said, we're just we we're not sure what we're going to get week to week with these guys.
1: The Jacksonville Jaguars are playing spoiler at this point. They did it against the Colts this past week, and I'm sure their motivation is to do it against the Titans this week. But if I'm the Jaguars, I'm playing for the quarterback, and I'm not necessarily upset with a loss at this point. Jimmy, want to thank you for coming on doing this crossover with me. Go ahead and give everyone listening a solid plug as to where we can find your
2: work. Yeah, so uh, we,
1: uh,
2: Terry Lambert and I, Terry's the, my co-host on Locked On Titans. We write for com. so you can find us there. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at JMorrisMCM, and, of course, like I said, Locked On Titans. And you
1: guys can follow all of my work on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as Chris. You can find him at Misto Make sure to subscribe to both Locked On shows, Jaguars and Titans. You can find them iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find the Lockdown Network, and we will catch up with you guys next time.